while your day is winding down. They're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Barrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome back to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. 508-996-0500 so you can join me. I'm here till 10. But joining me right now is Bristol County Sheriff Paul Haro. Hey, Paul, how are you? Hey, Marcus. Thanks for having me back on. Absolutely. So um, first I want to start with uh, you were, you've been at a conference or training for the last few days. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I was... Um, participating in what is kind of a continuing education for uh, most of the attendees. And that's, um, you know, the New England uh, Crisis Negotiators Association. And they do an annual conference, um, spend three days, or two and a half days together, uh, just, you know, going over different uh, crisis negotiation situations. Usually they were hostage, but not always. Sometimes they were not a hostage involved, but it's, when um, the stakes are high and, you know, they, they look at, it's kind of like the case study method where they look at what was happening, uh, what did they do right, what did they do wrong. And um, that was something I actually signed up for in January uh, when we had six or actually it was supposed to be seven people going, but one person couldn't make it. So um, we had six other uh, BCSO employees attending that. So was... Um the timing of this is interesting. Was it, you know, did you sign up for it after this incident happened, uh, the the standoff uh, a couple weeks ago? No, no, I signed up for this in January. Is you know, when when I learned that there was uh, other BCSO people going to be attending this, I said, well, sign me up too. I want to participate in that. So this was months in the planning. Is there anything that you took away from uh, that uh, continuing ed that you think could have applied to? that standoff a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. There was, there was a handful of things. Um, you know, one of them I've already identified, which is to have a scribe, you know, present, um, you know, that was, uh, you know, one thing, but the, you know, there was other things that we, you know, that kind of were re- like the, the, the patients involved with a situation, you don't want to rush them. Um, you know, one of the things that, some folks have criticized me about it. Said, "Oh, Paul waited too long to take the housing unit back." And I was, no, actually, we waited just the right amount of time, you know, because we waited um, to a point where nobody got hurt. And mm-hmm. so, if we had gone in early, I've said this before many times. If we went in sooner, people would have gotten hurt. In fact, just this evening, after I got home from work, I turned on my work laptop and I watched. I started watching the videos that the DOC had recorded and sent to us. And I can't wait to release these videos. I mean, it's when people see how professional all of the correctional staff, not just uh, the BCSO, but the other five jails, the, um, the DOC, when you, when they go in, when you see the overwhelming show of force, um, but then you see the way they're handling the inmates, walking them out uh, very you know peacefully, even when they're inside the housing unit. I mean, people could see that from the aerial footage. Um, but the, uh, you know, I, I finished watching 
um, those videos this evening, and I'm really looking forward to releasing those. We, we have to redact the faces. That's all. Basically, just yeah. blur them out. But I'm, I think when the public sees that, they're going to see uh, law enforcement, uh, corrections at its finest. You know, where they're they're really handling the inmates with kid gloves. They're they're not uh, ruffling them up or anything. They just they're just being professionals. It's, but the um, you know, but but go. I kind of digress a little bit. But going back to your uh, your your question though, like was there like do, did we do things right? You know, it's basically yeah, we did. We waited the right amount of time. I mean, we didn't wait too long and start disrupting the rest of the jail. We didn't go in soon, like too soon where people got hurt. We we nailed it. We got just at that right period. You said a uh, the presence of a scribe, so someone writing stuff down. Yeah, that's something that would be uh you know because there's so much going on i don't remember everything that happened in that day i mean it's just it's just there was a lot of different things going on trying to assess the situation um we could put something together i mean if we put all our heads in a room we could probably put up a, a pretty nice timeline um but basically I, the next day and i've said this before i asked you know on um when i went into work the next time and my aide i saw hadley i said hadley if this happens again i want you with me the entire day and I want you writing down everything that we do. Like, like who am I with? What room is it in? What time? Who else is in the room? Um, you know, what are we talking about? What good ideas are adopted? What ideas did we talk about and then reject? Why? Just, every, just write down everything. So that would be really good for an after-action review and just accountability purposes. Um, you know, but as of right now, I mean, like, we're not looking at any lawsuits. You know, the, uh, from what I understand, prisoners' legal services, uh, was pretty satisfied with the way we handled the situation. The, um, ACLU of Massachusetts, I understand they're, uh, basically pretty satisfied with the way things unfolded as well. You know, they were both pleased that we didn't use dogs. Um, they were, uh, both pleased that uh, no inmates or COs were hurt. So it was, like I said, it was a really good operation the way it went down. Um, in the past, people have ended up in the hospital. Uh, we've ended up with lawsuits. It's not looking that, you know, nobody ended up in the hospital. I mean, there's, there was no excessive force. There was virtually no use of force. It was just a really strong showing of force where we didn't even really need to exercise it. So it, it, was, it went really well. When you say um, the ACLU and Prisoners Legal Services um, didn't have an issue with it, obviously those are more progressive um, uh, legal organizations. Um, uh, is that something that you think of? Uh, like what are they going to think or do you just generally have a similar philosophy to them? No, no, no. It's Well, I I've, I spoke with uh, Liz Maddows from the Prisoners Legal Services um, sometime last week, I think it was, and uh, we had a really good conversation. I told her everything I was thinking, and she said, yeah, you know, it's like, um, you know, I mean, I'm not, there's no guarantee they they could find issue with something, but as of right now, we seem pretty much in the clear. I know the ACLU of Mass has also, uh, I've, you know, they spoke with somebody who is close to us, and, you know, as of right now, I don't hear any grumblings from them either. Um, but the when, I, when I'm managing a situation, I have to, be the middle person between the organization and the public and the public includes uh you know groups like prisoners legal services aclu the media um you know the press the uh you know the public the people who read the newspapers and watch the news the voters they're all on one side but then on the other side you've got the organization you've got the correctional officers you've got the security staff you've got the union um and so it's finding that delicate balance 
between knowing uh, how to, uh, like I said, just it's strike that right balance where you're not doing too much for one or the other. And, you know, that, that's my job is to find that middle ground. So we're speaking with Bristol County Sheriff Paul Haro. Uh, I do see that you, um, you, uh, your, your uh, public information officer, Jonathan Darling, had informed us that there's going to be a media availability tomorrow mm-hmm. at 11 uh, in, in that housing unit that was trashed by those inmates. Um, what's what's going to be the focus of that? Well, I wanted to uh, open it up for transparency, show both the media and the state delegation um, you know what it looks like in there because we release still photos, but I want them to actually have a look for themselves, not just rely on the photos that we released. And so they get to see what this. But then um, we're also going to show an adjacent housing unit, GA, because the GB was the one that had a lot of problems. GA is an identical housing unit, and this is one that's also emptied out right now so that we can see what that housing unit looks like when it's not been destroyed. Um, and so the idea is to start to say, hey, this is what happened. I want, I want to open this up, show you all, and, um, you know, keep, uh, like, kind of keep on my, my mission, my, my doing my job of trying to get the support I need for um, toilets and cells and locks on doors. So uh, also in attendance, I see, is going to be uh, North Attleboro Rep. Adam Scanlon, Carol Doherty from Taunton, uh, General Counsel for the State House Joint Committee on the Judiciary. Um, I'm, you know, I can see why uh, Rep. Scanlon and Rep. Doherty would be there. Obviously, they're members of the delegation that's in Bristol County. Um, but what, uh, what is the reason for having a General Counsel from the uh, Joint Committee and the, judici- uh, the Judiciary in the State House? Well, I invited everybody from Bristol County. Uh, all the entire state delegation of state reps and state senators. But I went beyond that. I also invited the uh, chairs of the uh, joint committees on public safety, judiciary, and did I invite Ways and Means? I can't remember if I invited Ways and Means as well. Sure. So um, in the place of the actual uh, representative, you know, Mike Day, uh, coming to us, it's going to be uh, his general counsel. And so we opened it up to them. Um, you know, I've also invited the uh, governor. I don't think she can make it tomorrow. But it's, you know, like I said, this is just all about transparency. It's opening it up, uh, showing, you know, the, the press like yourself, like, you, you know, letting you see it for your own, with your own eyes, um, and then asking some questions. Um, you know, there's, uh, I don't know, if I could show some of the videos, if there's some way I could show some of the videos tomorrow, um, you know, that I just watched this evening that I got from the DOC. Um, I would like to. I just have to protect the identities of the inmates um, because, it, it, you know, for privacy reasons. And But, the you know, if, if we can figure out a way to do that, then, you know, I, I, it, like I said, when, I'm looking forward to the public actually seeing the videos of how the um, security staff, how, you know, DOC and all the uh, six different uh, sheriff's offices, six being mine, uh, how professionally they did their job. And you know, so often we see, you know, like uh, in the news, these high-profile cases of police abuse or excessive force or something. And I, I really am looking forward to showing these because you, you'll see, you see the complete opposite here. You see them, you know, just uh, very calmly escorting the inmates out and, you know, the inmates are just walking right along. It, it, was, it was, you know, professionalism at its best. 
and the um the one hang up on on releasing the videos is just taking the steps to conceal the identity of the in the uh the inmates now uh so does that mean we expect those videos to be re-released relatively soon if you can't do it tomorrow if i'll release them as soon as i can i just need to uh identify basically redact their faces if it is like a software we can get to blur them out once i do that because these are slightly different videos than the actual videos we have of when inmates were uh, trashing the place, you know, and there was only there wasn't a lot of them doing it relative to the number of people there in there. That's one of the reasons I say this wasn't a riot because most of the people are just kind of hanging around, you know, they're just watching what was going on. But but the those videos, the ones we have, the BCSO videos are are the, of the housing unit, the ones that, um, the videos that were recording um, the inmates. Those. Uh, you know, before security staff got there, those are recording a crime in progress. And that is something that, you know, we have to go through the DA's office. Yeah. But these other videos um, of the security staff, you know, taking back the housing unit, oh, like I said, it was, I, I just, it was, it was really proud to be part of this because they, they were just so professional the way they handled everything. It was, I think when the public sees this too, they're going to see, first of all, they're going to see an overwhelming show of force. But then they're going to see correctional officers just walking inmates out, you know, very calmly and, you know, without any, you know, really any use of force and certainly not excessive force. I, I think it's, it's going to be a really good look for the profession. We're speaking with Bristol County Sheriff uh, Paul Haro. So, um, uh, so, okay, so that video is going to, uh, that video is going to come out soon. I know you said there was uh, 20 inmates that, were transferred out as seen as like the primary aggressors, um, some of them being held for uh, awaiting trial on serious crimes because the Bristol County House of Correction doesn't hold anybody that has a sentence longer than two and a half years, essentially, um, uh, that's been convicted. But some of them that had, some of them were uh, were uh, awaiting trial for charges like murder, A and B, D, W. What um, what's what's I'll, going? I can give you I can give you a breakdown of it. Out of sure. the twenty people. Out of all the 20 agitators, I don't call them aggressors, I call them agitators. Out of the, um, the 20, um, three of them were awaiting trial on murder charges, uh, nine uh, assault and battery charges, uh, three weapons charges, one fentanyl trafficking and one cocaine traffic. Those are the ones I can remember. But that's a snapshot of the uh, two housing units. Yeah. So the, those, yeah, those are all tra- those are all crimes with mandatory minimums, significant ones too. So yeah, yeah, they are, and they're all awaiting trial. So, and these were just a twenty or you could say seventeen. Let's just if we say look just those seventeen in that housing unit. The rest of the housing unit had similar charges. These were these were like in seventy five. Forgot to mention that seventy five percent of those uh, individuals in the housing units were recidivists. So a lot of people say, well, hold on, don't judge them, don't judge them. They, they were, they're awaiting trial. And well, that's true. They're awaiting trial for these charges, but these are frequent flyers and they've yeah. been in the system in and out for a long time. Um, so this was an especially dangerous housing unit. And that's one of the reasons why I didn't want to send in 20 or 30 security staff. Like w- when the videos are released, do you see this overwhelming show of force um, in the housing unit where you you just have like way more correctional staff, far more correctional staff than you do um, inmates. 
you, you, you'll say to yourself, yeah, that, that's a safe situation. That's a situation where you, 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 like the inmates, are, are, they're just not going to be fighting back. They're not going to be resisting because they know they don't stand a chance. Um, not against that, you know, those numbers. Um, if we had gone in and it was 20 against 75, then you have a different situation because then it's not really necessarily 20 against 75 when you're trying to, re- when you have those numbers and then the inmates see that, well, we can resist this 20. We can take, sometimes it takes three or four people to get handcuffs on one person. And so that that's a different dynamic. Um, I mean, every situation is different. In the, there, there are times when maybe we would have had to go in really quickly um, with a inferior numbers. There, there, that day may happen in the future. I hope it doesn't. Um, I think if it was a hostage situation or there was somebody who was seriously injured, we would have to go in with inferior numbers, do an extraction, get a personnel, and then uh, you know lock the housing unit back up and then come back when we have enough to take back the housing unit. But, but if the goal is taking back the housing unit, if that's your goal, you, people are going to get hurt. If your goal is to keep people from getting hurt, taking the housing unit, that comes second to, you know, people get not getting hurt. And that was my, my two goals were, you know, don't, people don't get hurt and then take the housing unit back. But some people have the attitude, oh, I want you get, you take that housing back, you take it back, you show force, you know, you, uh, you show them who's boss, you're the sheriff, you don't let them. And it's like, yeah, well, if, if that's your, if that's your goal to maintain that bravado, so the inmates know who's boss. Well, then if that's your goal, people are probably going to get hurt. And, and that people have gotten hurt in the past when that's been the goal. We're speaking with Bristol County Sheriff. Uh, we're speaking with Bristol County Sheriff Paul Haro. So um, I'm looking forward to that media availability. I'm looking forward to the media availability tomorrow uh, to check all of uh, to check all of that out. Um, but uh, moving on to some other topics, uh, is there anything else in particular you think is 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 worth mentioning uh, that you've got going on at the uh, the sheriff's office? Yeah, you know, actually, um, the new initiative I'm pursuing, uh, and you're actually once again, Marcus, you're you're hearing it here first. Um, we, are, <laughs> I met with uh, Captain Wayne Torres today, and you know the the issue he was. Um, bringing to my attention, not for the first time, but with our second meeting on this, was a stress unit and uh, making sure the stress unit has the support it needs and is properly staffed. Uh, so that's just one thing. So if you if you look at the profession of corrections, it's a stressful job. Uh, suicide uh, is a, a concern, and uh, like depression is a concern, just like as a police officer. I mean, twenty five percent of uh, police officers admit to using, uh, out, like having like an alcohol dependence. Those are the ones that admit to it. I mean, it, it, with police officers, I mean, it's something like two or three times as many people, uh, police officers commit suicide than are actually killed in the line of duty because it's a very stressful job. I don't know what the exact numbers are for uh, correctional officers, but I know it's very similar. And so in the, in the spirit of hiring an outside consultant to... Um, to look at our suicide rate with inmates, um, I'm also going to be following suit and doing the same thing with our, our security staff. And I'm going to hire, I'm going to issue an RFP, a request for proposals, bring somebody in to look at our EAP, Employee Assistance Plan, look at our policies surrounding, um, you know, mandatory counsel, uh, trauma counseling, something we don't have mandatory, but I'm going to make it a policy that after a traumatic experience, like you 
witness a suicide or you know, you've been assaulted or you you know or you've been nearly taken hostage or something you have to go to mandatory counseling it might only be one session and you know it's determined that you know you're doing okay um but basically um this is a new initiative that i'm going to be looking at how can we make the um mental health more of a priority, uh, you know, the correctional officer mental health, more of a priority. How can we improve what we have to offer? How can we improve the, the circumstances by which people are working in? Um, because I did it for inmates, so, it'll, you know, with, with the Lindsay Hayes report, so it only makes sense that I do this with uh, with the COs, too, who have a very stressful job. So you talked about, um, you know, when I, when I was there a few weeks ago, uh, you'd had the, um, you'd showed us the, uh, the, suicide resistant um bunk beds that you you had designed and you said it you know was you were in the process of of you know basically retrofitting and, and replacing uh the beds that are there now what where are you at in that process you know it's funny you ask is earlier today when i was in the ice building that's where some of these beds are being constructed mm-hmm. um you know and retrofitted it's just a big open space inside i actually thought about taking a picture of our welder uh, Daryl and actually posting that he had somebody working with him just just as an update because he was working but we're we're doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing we're retrofitting those beds you know we only have, I mean, we have a thousand beds we have to do and there's you know only a, uh, one welder and an assistant but we're going to be expanding that um, but we're in the process of doing just that you know cutting off some of those bars that you can hang yourself with and they have to be sanded down and then put up a new type of ladder. Um, so it's just a long process. It's going to take several years to do that uh, with the, uh, the uh, you know, retrofitting of a thousand beds. But it, but we're moving right along. Now. I, like I said, it just, it's funny. I saw Daryl in the ice building today because we had a meeting to on, on using the ice building as a training academy and getting out of the contract we have across the street. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's um, that, that's something we're working right along. You also had last, uh, I think it was last week, your your uh, your next academy of corrections officers. Um, is it the? Is, uh, and you, I remember you said you had thirty one, uh, which was a uh, um, five fold improvement from when you started, uh, where it was six. Um, so, uh, That's a yeah, fold improvement, but now it's down to five fold because we had some attrition. Some people said, "Ah, this job isn't for me." So now we're down to around twenty five. Okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, they start. How long is that? How long is that academy? I know you extended it an extra week. Yeah, it was eight weeks. Now it's nine weeks. I we added an extra week to do uh, training and implicit, like well, a lot more formalized training in implicit bias, duty to intervene, de-escalation, dealing with mental illness, increased amount of defensive tactics, report writing. So we, I want there were certain things that I wanted to do more of. Uh, to give the correctional officers the tools they need to do their jobs uh, even better. And so those were some of the things. So we went from eight weeks to nine weeks. So um, I wanted to ask you about something that's uh, being talked about at the state house. I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this ahead of time, but you're, you're pretty well studied in this area. And there was a bill that was filed by two state legislatures um, that uh, essentially uh, Erica Eiderhoven and Lydia Edwards, I believe, um, that would give uh, prisoners the right to vote uh, that had been convicted of felonies. That's currently not allowed in Massachusetts. I know it's allowed in Maine and I believe Vermont. I was wondering what your position is on that. You know, I mean, on the one hand, you go to jail, you know, as your punishment. You know, you've lost your freedom. You know, you, and so, you know, from that point of view, 
uh, it would make sense that you also lose your right to vote uh, while you're locked up. On the other hand, you've lost your freedom. It could be argued that you've lost your freedom and your access to do things out in the public and to have, you know, to move about society freely. So that is your punishment. So why do this extra layer? Um, I haven't really heard enough of the arguments on either side to really have a, a firm um, position on it. You know, keep it an open mind in both directions. But the um, I think, though, that after somebody has served their time, they should be allowed to vote again. I don't think that's the issue here. But uh, I know that's not the issue here. But that there's some people who they, you know, in some places they, they can't vote after they've uh, served time and they've been convicted of a crime. I, I disagree with that practice. I think when somebody's served their time, they, you know, their their uh, rights and privileges, for the most part, should be restored. I mean, there's some exceptions, you know, based on the crimes they do, like, you know, person that was convicted of, uh, you know, a weapons charge, they probably should lose their right to, you know, purchase a firearms or somebody who, you know, uh, assaulted or violated, you know, like sexually a kid. Um, they probably shouldn't be allowed to work in a daycare. Right, <laughs> you know, of course. You know, there's, there's, there's reasonable things, you know, uh, for, you know, for ex-offenders, uh, you know, for convicts that, you know, we have to take. So uh, we're speaking with Bristol County Sheriff Paul Harote. So we've been asking, this is a pop, pop culture question, we've been asking all of our guests, um, wondering what your favorite TV show is. I don't actually watch TV. I don't I even have a cable I, service. I, 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 you know what? I, I thought you were going to say that. I'm like, he's going to say he doesn't watch TV. So I don't. I actually don't have. I don't even have a TV in my living room. I have a uh, a projector with a screen. I love movies. I've got a you know large movie collection, and you know. I, um, but I, God, I don't even remember what last TV show I really enjoyed watching. Watching. I mean, it's, it's been so long. Um, but yeah, I just. What's your favorite movie then? I've got several. Um, let's see. Most of them from the nineties. Uh, you know, like Silence of the Lambs, uh, Braveheart, Goodwill Hunting, yeah. um, Gladiator, uh, Unforgiven. That's a real good one. That's a good and, one. Dan uh, Day-Lewis. Yeah, there's, there's some newer ones that I really like as well. Interstellar is just outstanding. Yeah. Um, Arrival is another one that's really Arrival's so, so good. Yeah, that's a great movie. It's so, it, it's so underrated, and I don't think anybody really knows about it. Um, you know, but there's, there's there's some really good ones out there. But those there's no one particular is my favorite. I've I've got a bunch of favorites. Well, I saw that one more thing, and I saw that Brist- the the Bristol County Sheriff's Office had a a May the Fourth uh, post um, for Star Wars. Do you have a favorite Star Wars movie? You know, actually, I didn't even see that. Um, <laughs> that, <post laughs> that was, was, that was John. Him. Yeah, was, was <laughs> I'll, John I'll ask, I'll ask him. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, but. Do, my favorite, um, I think historically it was always episode um, six, yeah. which was Return of the Jedi. Yep. Um, I think my least, I don't, I don't know which is my least favorite. I, I, I like the, the like episode seven, eight, and nine. Um, then, then you had the kind of spinoffs, you know, like Rogue One and yeah. um, you know, a Solo. I like those as well. Uh, those are pretty neat for yeah. background. But one of the ones in Star Wars, I think, is gets the lowest review is episode one. That's the one with Jaja Jar Binks. And yes. Was, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. so Jaja Jar was a big mistake of a character. But of course. Episode one, the, really, the, the thing I liked about episode one, and this isn't one of my favorites, but the thing that I think a lot of people missed was the character development in that, where Darth Vader came from, yeah. where Obi-Wan Kenobi. So I think that was, uh, you know, I think a lot of people missed the, the, the value of seeing where these characters come from. 
Best uh, best light. That was the uh, Darth Maul, Qui Gon Jinn, and, and, and uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. That was the best lightsaber fight in the whole se- in the whole uh, franchise too, by far. Yeah, that was a pretty good one. That's right. So, so Paul, I appreciate you joining me this evening. Um, I look forward to tomorrow uh, the uh, to the media availability, and we'll, we'll talk to you on air soon. All right, sounds good, Mark. Take care. That was Bristol County Sheriff Paul Harreau uh, participating in the floating topic that we have throughout the uh, the program. I mean, we've covered a lot of important stuff, but participating in the floating topic that we have throughout the show. What's your favorite Star Wars movie? Or what do you like most about Star Wars? It's May the 4th. It's a whole thing. May the 4th be with you, right? And so uh, interested to hear your thoughts on that. We've had some app chatters. Uh, we had some app chatters, um, you know, text us what their favorite Star Wars movie is. Uh, majority say Empire Strikes Back. Um uh, I think we've got some more actually on that, but five zero eight nine nine six oh five hundred. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to South Coast tonight. We've got some uh, app chat messages we'll get to, but let's f- first go to the phones. Good evening. Hello. Hello. Hey. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm well. Good. I'm well. Um, oh. Always appreciate when. You and Spooky get on the line because uh, uh, it just makes my blood boil. <laughs> Absolutely. Why? Absolutely. What's um? What, what's what's uh, I'll just, troubling I'll just you? Go with the, I'll, I'll just go with what we were starting with, which which, which was Paul Aru. Oh my God! If he ever saw Hodgkins outside a diner, he would run. I uh, would they, run, hide under his car. Woody? Because you know what, Hodgkins, this guy say, oh, we've got one welder. We've got one welder in the back of the building doing the work of 20 men trying to keep people from committing suicide. Really? Really? That, 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 that's your, your answer. Okay. Um, okay. Thank you. Thank you, Haru. Uh, I think he was just trying to highlight some of the work his employees are doing to make the jail improve on some of the conditions one, one, of the jail. One welder, one welder in the back of a place that he doesn't <laughs> even know where he is. Come on now, seriously. I mean, let's let's just have. A, I mean, let's just call a spade a spade here. What you, you you know it as well as I know it. This is BS. What's and BS? What's BS is what's going on here is that this whole thing is just driving our country down to its knees. Please stop it. Stop it. You have the, you have the voice. You have the voice and you've got the capabilities of doing it by simply telling people that this is BS. I mean, I, I don't think any. I don't think efforts to re- reduce inmate suicide is BS. I, I think that's a good thing. No, <laughs> I could give a shit about it. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. I apologize. It's okay. I apologize. It's all right, I'll let um, it slide. Thank you, thank you so much. I, 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 I could really not care about people that have been convicted of crimes crying about their accommodations. Um, I mean, it's worth noting most people being held in that jail aren't actually convicted of the thing they're being held for. But um, there's no, t- and, and most of the people that are convicted in that jail in particular, 
you know, the, the most that they're serving is two and a half years, maybe six months. So it's not like, you know, it's, it's not like it's Alcatraz over there, right? Or, or um, Rikers Island, you, you know. And even if it was, I mean, everybody's a human being, right? Everybody is a human being. And everybody also has their right to take their own life. And they will find a way. And and his his little his new new you know specially welded you know if if someone wants to do it they're going to do it or they're going to try to do it no they're going to do it yeah I mean I think there's I think there's a lot of I think there's probably a, uh, I think there's probably there are always I think he's acknowledged that there are always going to be suicides in jail it's going to be something that's going to happen but you want to try to reduce the rate of that i mean bristol county from some reporting had the highest has the highest rate of suicide in uh, in prison it happened like three days into his tenure uh there was a suicide at, at the at the jail so i mean i think that you know reducing the rate of that i think is important it's not like well what are you gonna do you know i, I, I oh, mean all right all right then i've then i've got a i've got another question for you marcus is what what do you feel about Vermont being a vacation state for suicide people? I uh, don't know what you're talking about, unfortunately. Well, vaca- that 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 that, was, that came out today. Is uh, Vermont is now saying, you know what? If you want if you want to die and you've got a legitimate reason, we'll put you to death and. Oh, you're talking it. about like uh, physician assistant suicide, something like that, like a right to die Correct. thing. Oh, okay. Correct. Yeah, I mean, I'm not actually a huge proponent of that. Um, honestly, the right to die stuff or the physician assisted suicide thing, I, I don't actually think it's. I don't necessarily think it's right. I think palliative care for people that are terminally ill is probably a better solution because I think you get into this sort of. And I don't necessarily always like slippery slope arguments. I think you get into a slippery slope argument of you know. Uh, you know, at what point do we move on from that, like, oh, you have a right to die to sort of death making saying, well, you know, maybe you should die. Right. And I, I actually agree that I don't think that's right. OK, so 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 they, they should not allow that. I I, I would say no. Um, I would say no. I'd have to look more into that law. Um, but if they're saying, well, we're going to allow people to come in here and uh, and you know kill themselves in a in a more dignified and on their own terms type of thing, I, I w- I'd have to look more into the specifics of the law. But I would say generally, I'd be opposed to that. But hey, listen, so, I, so, I, so so I'm I'm sorry. Just to bring this, where do you, where do you stand on abortion? Uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna cover that tonight, sir. I do appreciate the call, though. Thank you very much. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Good evening, Marcus. What's up? Hey, how's it going, John? Hey, you know, you know how you know where I stand on law enforcement, correctional officers, firefighters. You know, I support. I'm a big supporter. Sure. Um, I just, I you know. And and I was thinking of corrections. You know what I mean. I was thinking of joining corrections. I couldn't. I wouldn't join corrections under his leadership. The guy okay. can't even. He can't even admit that that was a riot. Okay, that that and and I don't know, Marcus. I like I like you. I like you, buddy. You know what I mean. I like you. I like all the hosts on WBSM. But appreciate it. You got to You got to ask the guy more serious questions. Like what? You know what I mean. You got to push. You got to push the the why he why he can't just admit. That this was a riot. It's all about Brent. Any sort of violence. Yeah. 
any sort um, go ahead i'm sorry i, I didn't mean to cut it's, you off. it's a branding issue i mean i can sit here and say why is it not a riot i mean he's gonna he's gonna have an answer for that he said uh, he's basically said a riot includes i think his definition of a riot riot would include personal violence um against people in this situation he said nobody got hurt the only damage was to property and therefore he doesn't think it's a riot I mean that that's that's his answer to that. I, I I don't like. There's not more I can say. Like, will you call this a riot? I, I just it's. I don't know if it's. I don't know if the branding's all that important. I think you know what you know why I think he doesn't want to call it a riot because he doesn't want to be want it to be categorized as a riot. Yeah. In his four months of 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 leadership. Yeah, in probably probably in you know if he's if it happens in five years he probably doesn't want to be categorized as a riot either. I'm not sure. Right. I mean he's he's generally been. I, the thing is, is just following him on the campaign and even in the uh, early days of his sheriff tenure, he's generally been pretty straightforward about if there's something wrong and he, he thinks it's on him, he's going to say it. Like, you know, when he said when the suicide thing happened, it happened, you know, way too early in his tenure for and I think anybody to say it was specifically his fault. But he's like, listen, I, I campaigned on taking this on. I own this now and I've got to do something about it. Right. I, I think he's been pretty straightforward about that. I don't think he's necessarily I mean, branding's always important in politics, but. Whether or not you want to call it a riot or not, I don't, I don't know if it matters. I, I can agree with you on that suicide. Uh, you know, I can agree with you on that one, but I, I just can't. I just can't wrap my head around the fact that he can just straight up say to every, you know, the public that it, it was just a demonstration of of trashing the place. You know, yeah. like when I heard him say that tonight, I I, I almost threw up in my mouth because I'm like, how is this guy not? He doesn't have the cojones to say that it was a riot. Under his under his leadership, he can't he cannot just tell the public, "Hey, listen, yeah, we had a riot. It wasn't a full blown scale riot where there was people getting you know taken hostage." Well, and I think oh. you know it's it's sort of arbitrary, isn't it? Well, if it's not a full blown scale riot, it's just a riot. It's not a full blown scale. Riot. I don't know what that is. No, I know, but it, it, you know, but at the same on the same token, you know, Marcus, it's like. He could have. He could have just came out from the get go. You know what I mean? He's trying to downplay it and, and say that it wasn't what it is, and it, and and that and that's why he loses. He's going to lose a lot of trust in the public. You know what I mean? Nobody's going to really take what he has, you know, for face as face value because it's 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 just not. It, it, it to me, at least to me, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I, I listen to this guy talk from here on out, and I'm like, okay, well, is that true or is that false or you know what 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 is he? I'm curious why he. I know he. Oh, I got to blur the faces out of the videos. It's like, well, you have to. That's that's that's. Yeah, I know, I know. But it, it doesn't take two and a half weeks to blur to blur faces out of a footage. I'm not familiar with video but, editing, uh, so I don't know how long it would take. I don't know how many faces are in the videos. But what I would say is, there's also, a, I think, probably um, like a, a, a component of of criminal investigations and all that stuff. They have to clear it with the DA's office, who's going to be bringing charges on that. The Bristol County DA's office and stuff. It's probably a little bit more complicated than. All right, we blurred the faces. That only took us a little bit, you know, an hour, a day, or two days, whatever. Here it is. It's probably a little. There's probably some procedures that they have to go through. I've been meaning to tell you too. I know you used to be a town official for Fairhaven. Mm-hmm. So twenty seven dollars to to pay your water bill online. That is outrageous. Outrageous. Twenty seven dollar fee to pay the on to pay your water bill online. Yeah. I, I think what that's the heck is that? that's probably what the heck something is that about, Yeah, it's probably something that has to it's probably my 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 it's probably a fee that the company charges for the service, not the not the, the 
board of, the, the board of public works specifically or the town specifically, but probably the third party that runs that, that billing system probably has that surcharge on it. That's my guess. All right. Good enough. Hey, thanks, Marcus. I'll talk to you tomorrow. No problem. I gotta, I gotta take a break. We'll be right back. Listen to us live anywhere in the world on the WBSM. You don't have to stick by your radio to hear all of South Coast tonight. Stream Chris and Marcus on the WBSM app or download their podcast. South Coast tonight continues now. Welcome back. Uh, one more break, and then uh, I got some app chat messages, so we'll, we'll, we'll take them. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Marcus Farrow, 508-996-0500. It's how you can join me. We'll also take your messages on the WBSM app chat. Uh, it was Bristol County Sheriff Paul Harrell we talked about. We also have a floating topic since it's May the 4th. May the 4th be with you, Star Wars Day. Um, I've been asking people what their favorite Star Wars movie and got a lot of Empire Strikes Back. Uh uh, Sheriff Rowe had given a few examples of uh, some movies he liked. I think he liked Return of the Jedi the most. Um, but someone's asking me, uh, Jack from New Bedford, what's the best lightsaber battle uh, scene of any of the nine movies? I, I think that's ob- very clearly the. I think the the very clear choice is if you're talking about a lightsaber battle, the very clear choice is the lightsaber battle between in the end of Episode One. We have Obi-Wan Kenobi, his master, Qui-Gon Jinn. You've got Darth Maul. And that's the first time you see the double-bladed lightsaber, right? That's the first time you see you see it a lot more now, you know, because when Star Wars first started out, it was just the one lightsaber, the red and the blue one, and then the green one with Luke. But then it's the first time you see the double, he because he, he has the single-bladed lightsaber when he fights earlier, and then he busts out the double-bladed lightsaber, and he fights... And he, and he, it's a fantastically choreographed fight with the two on one with a double bladed lightsaber. And it really is, it really is excellent. And so that's my favorite, that's my favorite, um, that's my favorite lightsaber battle. It's the one I think is the best. I think it's a consensus pick for the best lightsaber battle. I would say the Anakin, uh, Anakin versus, well, Darth Vader versus Obi Wan in episode three. Um, so in the prequels is also, um, I think, I think that's probably the second best one. That one's really well choreographed. Some of the moves that they were doing, this, the lightsaber skills, the, 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 the fencing skills that they demonstrated in that, in that third movie was really excellent. So that would probably be my second favorite is the, uh, Obi-Wan versus Anakin slash Darth Vader at the end of episode three in the prequels. Those are probably my two, those are probably my two favorites. Um, my least favorite is the one in episode nine. Uh, I didn't think that one was particularly well done. Um, uh, that one, you know, the the one that's uh, on the 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 wrecked ship in, in the middle of the ocean. That one, that one wasn't really. That was probably my least favorite. But yeah, the, the uh, episode one and uh, ending the final battle in episode one, the final lightsaber battle in episode one is probably is definitely I think the best one. The second best one is is. Um, I think the Anakin versus Obi Wan. That's that one's really good too. So five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. We've actually got a few more messages about Star Wars that we'll get into in the next hour, and then we'll um, we'll also I want to talk about this uh, Mayor Mitchell's uh, standard of appearance plan that he'd released. Uh, we'd gotten a booklet of it. I thought it was something we didn't cover yesterday that we might want to cover. And uh, you know, I'll take your open phone lines 